I believe everything that we do is a choice. You know, you may not see it at the time, but whatever the choice is, whether it's to go to the gym or not go to the gym or leave the job or take the job or ask the girl on the date or whatever the thing is, you always have a choice to do or not to do that thing. Once you know that you have had a choice and once you realize that every choice and decision that you've made up until this point is the reason that you're in this position, whether that's positive or negative, it's quite freeing because you then know that you have the decisions and the ability to make different choices to come out of that situation. And it's just about knowing that you've made the choice and being okay with that choice if it's going to move you in one direction or the other. Welcome to Software Snack Bites. Uh, I'm Sean McGosh of Bold Start Ventures, and today we're excited to have Ben Canning on the pod. Ben is the uh, founder of uh, Hacking Your Health uh, and a fitness coach to high-performance founders and employees across the security and tech ecosystem. And if you haven't yet, check out Ben's podcast. Uh, it's I highly recommend it. Him and Dave Kennedy talk through a lot of the challenges that that they go through, that they've heard other people go through, and frankly, it's a uh, it's just a really engaging, real uh, way to talk about health. So um, Ben actually is even a coach to uh, yours truly, and uh, in this episode, we're going to cover health one on one tips for founders and, and startup teams. So I just want to start off with uh, you coach a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I think a lot of people listening too are kind of like, you know, when when they start to to work with you or, or when someone's even thinking about working with you, where do they most often need to start in terms of kind of starting to make these changes? The best place to start I have found that has the most success long term is exactly where you're at because people will come in and they're generally motivated by different reasons whether it's to do with their health or something that's happened that they want to make the change and they come in and they're super enthusiastic and they're like I just want to train 15 times a week and I'm going to go vegan and I'm going to do all these things and I'm like okay chill. We just need to see what is like manageable. Um, and especially people here listening, like the majority of people are busy in terms of their jobs and they're demanding, it's stressful, they've got families or whatever it might be. Uh, and my first question is like, realistically, like what can you commit to that's not an additional stress in your life long-term? Because people are stressed regardless. Life is stressful. And the last thing that I want to do as a coach is come and be an additional stress on that. And I've had clients before and they're like, you know, realistically, I can maybe only do two 20-minute sessions a week. And I'm like, that's cool. We'll start with that. And then you'll know yourself that whenever you get into it, then all of a sudden all this more time comes available and that's okay to build on. But I would rather start like lowest effective dose instead of going, right, we're going to do five times a week. And then three, four, five weeks down the line is you only getting three sessions in and you feel like you're failed. Whereas I'd rather you get, we start with two and then you're getting three in and you think I'm absolutely nailing this because I'm getting an additional session in. So it's literally just start with where you're at and we do whatever we can to sort of move the needle forward. And then we just gradually refine it and build on it from there. So I, I know you're a fan uh, because you, you you sent me the book of uh, Atomic Habits and it sounds mm -hmm. a bit like that's what you're talking about. Is that why you're starting there is you just want people to get into the habit formation stage? Yeah, the habits is is the basis of everything that, that we do, whether it's it's good or bad. And for me, it's about recognizing what the good ones and how we can build upon them, recognizing what the not so good ones are and how we can start to how we can start to get rid of them um, and just literally build on it from that. And again, it comes down to the just deal with one thing at a time. You know, it's the same as a New Year's resolution. Everybody wants to do you know, the 20 New Year's resolutions. I mean, you're not actually going to do any of those things. If you just actually focused on one thing, and double down on that and nailed it and then started to add things off the back of that. Then yeah, like habits and behaviors are, are key. What's the most common complaint that you get? Uh, don't have the time. Um, can't hit my protein target. Um, don't have the support, the environment around me. Uh, I'll use your one. I eat out quite a lot with my job. Um, how do we overcome that? So there's, there's plenty to do around food and stuff like that. 
Um, so I, I, I know what, <laughs> I know what you said to me, which, uh, which, which, uh, which was basically like, you could make a choice and you are making a choice each time you do it. But, but, um, but let's go with, I think one that a, a lot of people say is, is I don't have the time. So what, what is your response to them? How, how do you make time? How do you think about, you know, doing that? For me, time comes down to priorities and I, you know, you'll never catch me saying that I'm busy because I, I just don't like the phrasing around it. Um, I do have a lot of things going on, granted, but I'll never say that I'm too busy. And for me, it's just down to how you look at your priorities. Um, one of the big things is, you know, check your screen time, whether it's how much time you spend on Twitter or if you're watching Netflix or whatever the thing might be, there is time there to do it. Within that, it's about managing expectations. So it's like people have this almost preconceived idea that they need to spend two hours in the gym five days a week. Because you don't need to do that. Just do more than you're doing now. And that is progress. So be realistic with your expectations in time. If it's a case of the people around you, have the conversation with them, you know, whether it's family or people at work, you know, whether it's your boss or whether it's your team or whatever it is, be like, look, I need to do this for me because I will be a better person. I need to look after my health or whatever the thing may be and have a realistic, uh, have a realistic conversation with them about managing expectations and make sure you have the support from them as well. One, one thing I want to go into is you're, you're really good at mindset. Like I think one of the things you coach a lot of people on is mindset and one, and again, this, I think that goes back to the choice thing, like that choice you made the choice has stuck with me forever. I think one time I told you I was going to a wedding and I was just like, Hey Ben, like it's, this is screwed up. I'm, I'm not going to eat right. I'm not going to exercise. And he was just like, well, sounds like you already made the choice. And I was like, oh, whoa, <laughs> that, that hit me. I was like, I was like, all right. But it, because it's true, <laughs> but talk about like, yes. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Like I've made the choice, but at the same time, like I kind of, you know, I'm telling you how it's going to be, right? Like there's, there's going to be drinking, there's going to be food, there's going to be all that sort of stuff. So like, I, yes, I hear what you're saying. I made a choice, but also come on. Like, it's kind of like, that's the environment too, right? Yes, I agree. And I'll caveat this by saying, I'm not against drinking. I'm not against going and have a good time. Like I'm very much an advocate of making sure you keep those things in. But if you go into a situation with that decision already made, it's not going to be any different. And you have to be okay with the choice that you've made. I believe everything that we do is a choice. You know, you may not see it at the time, but whatever the choice is, whether it's to go to the gym or not go to the gym or leave the job or take the job or ask the girl in the theater, whatever the thing is, you always have a choice to do or not to do that thing. Once you know that you have had a choice and once you realize that every choice and decision that you've made up until this point is the reason that you're in this position, whether that's positive or negative, it's quite freeing because you then know that you have the decisions and the ability to make different choices to come out of that situation. And it's just about knowing that you've made the choice and being okay with that choice if it's going to move you in one direction or the other. Is that something you need to train? I, I think so. I think for me, it's more of a a perspective thing like somebody asked me recently like what one sort of trait or quality that i think that, I'm, that makes me a good coach and i think I, I think i just offer perspective well it's like asking the other question almost or giving the other side of the coin like i said i'm okay like i'll go and have a drink i'll go and eat a pizza i'll go and eat a burger. like absolutely fine but i know that that thing is going to have i guess impact on whatever the progress is that i'm, I'm trying to make and it, it is just a it's something that you need to sort of go through time after time. It's just a, another thing about putting the reps in. Those choices can happen on minutes, hours, you know, daily, monthly. Well, there's so many different cadences, right? So how do you advise people to kind of think about what those are? Is it, is it kind of like a daily choice of, of, you know, maybe just start with, hey, go for a walk, right? Like that's a daily choice that you can make mm -hmm. every day. Is is that sort of, or or should you be thinking about on an even hourly basis? Like, hey, you know, right now you're sitting on the couch, but, you know, you could go and, go for a walk the best way i can frame it and this is 
this is what I use for myself specifically is I always try and think about my future self. So am I number one, acting in the way that the person that I want to become does or would? And number two, will I be okay with whatever the repercussions of this thing is down the line? Whether that is on a daily thing, an hourly thing or whatever. Um, it doesn't even necessarily need to be with, with like health and fitness. Like I just had a call, um, so every Thursday we run an experts call within the team now and Kira, who is a holistic high performance, like mindset coach, she was talking about procrastination and I was given my two cents on it. I was like, for me, when it comes to procrastination, it's generally just something that I don't want to do or I don't value. When it comes down to it, I have to do that thing anyway. So I just make the choice to do it right now because future me will thank me because I already have done it versus me in a week being like, I have to do that thing now. I could have just done it a week ago. So it's like, always think about your future self and doing favors for your future self is the way I frame it for myself. So uh, one thing I've always been been curious, and I actually haven't asked you this, but I think I know your answer is uh, if you had someone that was like naturally gifted um, uh, and, and, you know, maybe they ate shitty and but but if, if they just corrected that like they would they would be on track right um or you have someone who is going to have to grind every freaking day like their their metabolism is screwed up they're they're you know whatever like there's just they have, they're gonna have to grind every single day which which one will have more success is it, it like is it all about that grind is it all about just like getting up and doing the hard thing every day I think it's so person dependent. I think it comes from what your drive is to do the thing in the first place. Like I'll, I'll use an example. I have clients that come to me and, and the reason that they come to me, it's because they have a health scare. Like they literally will go to the doctor and they say, look, if you continue living you like this, you're going to die. So they, like they have a big way to go. In my eyes, it could be more difficult for them because they see how far they have to go and it's a huge gap. But they're more driven because of what the fear is if they don't make the change versus someone is like, you know, oh, I just want to lose 10 pounds. It's not really life or death situation. They just want to look a bit better and, look, and feel a bit better. But the thing that then happens is when the first person gets, you know, further away from that sort of threat, they lose sight of the reason that they started in the first place mm. and a little bit of complacency comes in. So it's about realigning yourself with the goals as you go along and sort of moving the goalpost each time. So I think the grind and the struggle is part of the process and the doing the hard thing is part of the process. And I think one of the best things that I like about a physical transformation is there is no shortcuts. There is nothing you can do. You can't use ChatGPT. Like you have to do the hard work. Like you have, there is no other way about it. And that's why I always respect a good physique because that person has had to work for it in, in one way, shape or form. And it's not necessarily about being, you know, super jacked and having a six pack. I almost respect people on the other side that have lost a hundred pounds or 120 pounds. And I see clients of my own, like, like are, you know, there may be, hundred pounds overweight. They're like, well, I run a 5k and I'm like, I could, I, I could, I could run a 5k like, re like respect because I, I couldn't run a 5k. So it's like, it's, it, it often comes down just person to person um, in terms of like what their, what their motivation to actually do it is. Right now. I mean, you do have a six pack. You are, you, you, you lift well, right? Like uh, all that stuff is working. What's your goal, right? Like how, how are you setting a, a physical goal right now where it's like, I don't know. I look at you, Ben, I'm kind of like, uh, He's got the goal already, right? Like, so, so what's like your goal that you're set now? For me, the biggest thing that drives me is progress. So I just need to know that I'm progressing. So at the minute, like actually probably within the past couple of weeks, I'm, I'm happy with where my physique is at in terms of like overall body composition. And now the goal is just to sort of maintain that and be able to essentially juggle everything else that's going on. I've said sort of over the past couple of weeks, last year on the whole, I sort of put my own health on the back burner. I still did the stuff and I still went through the motions, but it wasn't necessarily massive 
focused in terms of making progress physically or in terms of strength. It was, it was heavily focused on business, but I have the habits and the behaviors that I still out well because I've done it for the past 10 years. I still went to the gym. I wasn't hitting any massive PRs, but I was still showing up and doing the work. My goal this year is to still do the work in terms of run the business, but continue to do the work in terms of like my actual physique and progress. And I think that the thing is the goalposts always change. Like whenever, whenever I first started training, I was, I think it was like 157, 158 pounds. Like I'm six foot two, so I was not built very well, let's say. Uh, skinny fat. And my biggest, <laughs> my biggest goal was I just wanted to fit my clothes properly. So like, you know, when you're like, when you fit the t-shirts yeah. and it sits in your shoulders like that, I didn't have that. So I did that and I fitted in the medium t-shirt. I was like, right, I want to buy large t-shirts and then extra large and then to, and like that is how my, my goals have, have progressed. And the, the thing for me now that drives me is, I need to lead by example because I have, like you said, I have 110 clients and I, I need to lead by example. Like I need to lead by example in terms of getting the stuff done from a training perspective, eating well, looking good, performing and work, being a good parent. Like there's so, not that there's pressure put on me. I put it on myself to show up and lead by example to show that you can't do this because I literally do it on a daily basis. How many years have you been, you know, managing your sleep? uh managing your nutrition going to the gym every day like i just want to like to get to the physique that you have now right i think a lot of people might say oh uh, well ben's just naturally gifted right it's easy for you yeah it's, it's easy for you what about me right like i can't do that <laughs> right so like i mean just I, I think you have have like you know done it for a number of years and 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 really grinded away at doing it so so kind of describe that for for others so from the 4th of february this year it was 10 years exactly since the first day that i set foot in the gym now to give a little bit of context to that, before that, I used to be borderline alcoholic. I used to go out, drink and drugs five, six times a week, like escape, hated the life that I lived, was not happy in myself, was doing literally anything I could to escape that reality. So I wasn't exactly a prime candidate in terms of, you know, my physique is going to change. Um, and genuinely, since that first day, like I remember it very clearly, 4th of February, 2014, like I walked into the gym, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like I said, was a skinny, fat, like a lanky, not strong, but everything that came after that. And I'm not saying that I've been absolutely nailing it ever since then, but I've, I would say just continued progress and continued refinement within that for the past 10 years has sort of put me in the spot now. What got you in the gym that day? The guy that actually I used to go out with, um, we used to party with all the time. He got his, his PT qualification. He was like, I need a first client. Like I need a before and after. And I had tried time and time again. Like I, it wasn't the first time I went into the gym. Like I tried a couple of times before. Um, but I think because I was sort of invested in the success, success of his business, it sort of stuck a little bit more. Um, and we did like maybe I think six weeks was my first before and after picture. And I literally went from being skinny fat to being skinny, but I had abs and like, you could see muscle definition in the shoulders, like fucking nailed it. Like I am jacked. If I look back at those pictures now, like not by any stretch of imagination, but it just stuck. And I think the biggest thing for me was it wasn't necessarily about the physical change. And as you said about the mindset stuff, it was the mental changes that again, I know I'm in control now, like, you know, the, the unhappiness, the, being a complete piss out of the weekend, that didn't necessarily go away straight away, but it gave me the sense of I'm in control. I can do hard things. I can put my body through these things and I can make the change. Yeah, that's, I think so. That's so important. Um, you, you know, one thing you've used, you introduced me to the topic of non-negotiables and you had this thing. Mm -hmm. and I was like, what are your non-negotiables every day? Right. And for me, it was, uh, go get morning sunlight, go do a morning walk, like things like that, that, uh, I was trying to build those habits. Do you think everyone should define these upfront? And I guess if so, how, how should they go about finding what those non-negotiables are? 
First of all, yes, I think people should have, you know, at least two or three things that they do on a daily basis. Uh, reason why is because it teaches you discipline to do the thing regardless of what's going on. The second thing is in terms of like how to go about to find them. Do the thing that makes you feel a certain way. So for me, I want to do something that makes me feel good. I want to do something that challenges me. Um, what I've been doing recently is I've been doing ice baths every morning. So I bought myself. <laughs> God bless you, man. <laughs> and it's cold over here. Um, but the reason that I do it is number one, I know it, it, it makes me feel good after. It's like when I feel good in terms of mental clarity, like I'm absolutely on it after. So my, my general routine in the morning is I get up at like 4.30. I start into a block of work at eight o'clock. I go and jump in the ice bath. My daughter's then up. I have breakfast with her and then put her off to school. And then I come back into work. I never want to get into that thing. Like I, like I literally on Tuesday morning, I sat and there's a bench just at the end of it. And I literally sat looking at it for like 10 minutes. Being like, I don't want to get in it. Like I do not <laughs> want to get in this thing. But again, when I get in, I know that I have the capability of doing the hard thing that I don't want to do. And it gives my, it gives me the confidence and builds the evidence that I can do hard things regardless of what my emotional attachment is to it. Um, so do something that, that will challenge you and do something that will make you feel good um, and do those on a daily basis and just build a habit on that. Um, you, you know, you brought up your daughter, and I think that's something that is very common is, is parents say, the world's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can't sleep. My daughter's waking up at night, right? I can't eat healthy because my daughter's craving chicken nuggets all the time, and like I'm eating the chicken nuggets, right? Like, What advice do you have to share with parents around managing their health? The reason that I live the life that I do around her is because I want to, again, give her the example. And I think if we think generationally, the, the generation that sort of came before us, they didn't necessarily have the tools that we did. You know, fast food was just introduced. It was convenient. So everybody just had like an asshole all the time and didn't really know what the repercussions were of that. But now we have the knowledge, which I then think is it gives us the responsibility. So if you think about fault and responsibility, it's not necessarily their fault or our fault that we're in the position it is now, but we don't have the excuse. Like we have all the information. So it's up to us to sort of change the narrative of that now. I am also very conscious that I don't want to take it to the extreme the other side. So obviously, you know, we talk about tracking food or we talk about weighing food. I don't want my daughter to see me weigh food all the time and think that that's normal because I also don't think that that is a normal way to do it. So it's a it's a, a bit of a balance and I have to see, okay, right, how can I teach her about good food, about feeling good, about training, you know, about whatever it is that's going to make her feel better and, and live a, essentially a better life, but not take it to the extreme. So I think that it's, it's a bit of a balance and act within that. In terms of the food thing, like, you know, again she eats what we eat here like she like it but uh, very fortunate but she always has do you know what i mean like there's no i would say that the challenge comes if you know if you have a, a five-year-old or a six-year-old and you've naturally not at well up until this point and you decide to make a change mm -hmm. that change can be difficult but because she's always known it it i don't want to say it's been easier but it, I, I don't know any different and she doesn't know any different what i would say in that situation is Try and find things that you can sort of swap things out. So you mentioned chicken nuggets. So you can make relatively healthy chicken nuggets. If you've got an air fryer and you've got a box of cornflakes, like yeah, you're, you're pretty good to do it. But it's just about making those changes that they don't really see the change. It's still the same sort of thing. And it's just a better choice sort of longer term. Wait, does she eat your uh, your daily protein uh, oatmeal thing? Yeah, yeah. She's so, she's so funny. Like I have a video of her from about probably about a year and a half. So she's maybe like just turned three or, or just before. And she pulls this tub of protein out of the out of the tub. And I was like, what's that? She's like, protein. I'm like, okay, right? It's like, what does protein do? She goes, gives you big muscles. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But if she's not finishing her dinner, we're like, well, what about your muscles? And she's like, yeah, you're right. And then she'll finish off the protein and she'll just do this. She's like, what do you think now? And I'm like, nailed it. Like, you've got it. So it's just, you know, it's about leading the example and making it it's fun for her. And she's very good in terms of like, whatever I'm doing, she wants to do. So if like, whatever, I, you know, if I'm having 
like apple and pear diluted juice she's like what juice are you having and then she has the same thing so it is mm-hmm. it is good but again that's that's just leading by example do you know what i mean yeah yeah that makes sense um you know one thing that you talk to me a lot about is is positive mindset and i'll be honest i i, I resisted right i was kind of like this is this is uh this is a little bit of uh, BS, right? Um, but uh, I will say, like one of the things I've, I've found really interesting is is um, is kind of looking through the the high performers and especially athletes. And so I've listened to a lot of like the the Kobe mm-hmm. uh, talks that he's done and and LeBron and his trainer and stuff like that. And what's really interesting to me is like pretty much all of them journal, pretty much all of them practice meditation and visualization, uh, and they all like kind of talk about we can we can do this. And so um, you know. I will say I, I will say I am thinking about it a lot more, um, but but I, I think I want I want you to describe kind of this this sort of uh, uh, that self talk aspect and 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 maybe some some tips or tactics that you think generally apply to everyone. I think whenever it comes to the the mindset piece, which I think is is what you're talking about here, people don't like to often admit that they have a mindset problem. They'll come to me because they want to lose a certain amount of weight and they're not like, oh, I have a mindset issue. But it ultimately comes down to how you think and feel about yourself and the choices that you make in mind with that. And I think that the narrative that you tell yourself is very important with that. And I, I do talk a lot about like your self-narrative. Again, back to what you're saying about the choice that, you, that you've already made. For me, within coaching, what I try and do is look after the whole human. It's not just about eat your broccoli and train your biceps. It's about looking after how you think and feel like on a daily basis. And Things like mindset or things like, you know, meditation and journaling and breath work and all those things. I provide them as tools. So we have Sean. He does the, the five, five, five club. It's, um, five minutes breath work, five minutes meditation, five minutes journaling. It's available to everybody. It's a company that he runs. There's five sessions a day, five days a week. I'm not forcing it on anybody, but I'm like, these are things that I use. These are tools that I use and they're there and they're available. I'm a big advocate for breathwork. I know that a lot of people, I remember Dave specifically with the first time that I talked about breathwork, he was like, what, like, what are you bringing me yeah. into? Like, why am I doing this? And I was like, just trust me on this one. Like, please. And then the same thing, he was like, absolutely. Like, I, even for myself, the first time I was like, this is absolutely nuts. And I specifically remember the first time I did it, I was in our previous house and I was like out in the washroom and the guy was like, land the ground. I'm like, land this pile of washing, but it was the most outer body experience that I've ever had. Um, and for me, it's just about having the tools of, okay, right, you know, work is stressful or something's doing my head in or I've had a shitty day. What can I do to change that? Um, and it's just having the tools to do it. And for me, like, I don't practice meditation all the time. I don't journal all the time, but I know I have those things available if I do, if I do want to do them. Um, in terms of getting started, I'm a big advocate of the mind journal. Um, mine's over there somewhere. You can tell I use it all the time. Um, and the reason the reason that I'm an advocate of that is because it's it's a little bit more guided. So I've tried journaling a couple of times, and I'm like looking at this blank piece of paper, and I'm like, I don't I don't know what to, to write here. Like I'm just literally writing. I'm literally writing. I don't know what to write. But it gives you sort of guided questions in terms of like it'll talk a lot about emotions. It'll talk about it'll give you like a random question every single day. And it just gets you actually mm. to, to get the words out of your head and put it on paper. Um. So I think in terms of that, you know, getting started, you don't have to do them all. But I would definitely give them a go. Um, breathwork specifically, and um, the Wim Hof app is absolutely incredible for breathwork. I started on it with the cold showers initially, um, but the 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 conscious connected breathing that he does. If you're having a day, you know, if you're having a day in work, like a day, and you're looking at your screen, you're like, I know I have so much to do, but I just don't have the ability to focus on any of this. 
for me, it's about changing what your state is. And if you can go through like 15 minutes of breathwork lying on the floor and you come back to it, you're in a completely different state to deal with that thing. So it's just about tools and anything that I teach, regardless if it's nutrition or sleep or training, it's just about arming you with the tools as do you know how you can approach your handful of situation to, to make it more positive or to make it a better outcome for whatever it is you're trying to achieve. I always think it back to one thing you told me too, where it was raining outside and I was just like, ah, it's been raining this whole week. I can't go for a walk. And you're like, dude, I live in Ireland. Like, who, who are you talking to? And, um, and I think uh, what I want to explore with you here is, is how do you get your mindset? Like, I am affected so much by the weather. If it's sunny outside, I, I will... I can go, I could run that 5k. I could do whatever, right? If it's raining outside, I want to sit inside and watch Netflix the whole day and not do anything. Right. And I assume that happens to you too, but somehow it doesn't affect you the same way. So what are you doing? I think for me, it's a, it's not giving yourself the choice. And again, it comes back to the, the emotion thing, like detaching your, whatever your emotion is in that thing. So if I look outside and it's raining and I'm like, my immediate is like, I don't, I don't really want to do that, but I will do it anyway, because it's a, if you take it back to the narrative that you tell yourself, it's like, am I willing to do hard things or am I willing to do things that I don't want to do? If the answer is no, then be prepared for that to filter into every aspect of your life. Whereas if you go, I don't really want to do this, but I know it's going to be good for me in the long term and you do it anyway, that will filter into every aspect of your life. And it, it, it gives you the confidence in yourself and it gives you that like evidence in yourself that you can do it regardless of what the emotion is. And actually, if you get out in a train and sometimes it's all right, like sometimes the feeling of the rain, like it'll, it'll wake you up a little bit. You'll, you know, unless it's torrential and you've got like a hurricane or something, like wouldn't recommend, but you know, use, yeah. use your, use your common sense. Like if it's just a little bit raining, just put a coat on and go out and you'd be absolutely fine. Um, so it's, it's just about the narrative that you tell yourself. It's about keeping, keeping your promises that you make to yourself and, and backing yourself in the situation. So, um, I want to shift into some of the health pillars that, that exist out there and, you know, sleep, exercise, nutrition, mental health, mm -hmm. I think are, are, are some of the core ones. They're all linked together, but I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the most important? I'm going to say mental health. Um, and the reason that I say this is if I think back to when I first started coaching, the four sort of pillars that I focused on then were body, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset. Now, in my maturity, I realized that they were absolutely backwards. And now the four pillars still exist, but we have them in, a, in the opposite direction. So it's mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, and body. And I think if you go into anything and your your mind isn't in the right place for it, it doesn't really matter what you do. Uh, then we focus on lifestyle, we focus on nutrition, and you get the body as a byproduct, essentially. So I think that, you know, regardless of it's sleep or regardless of it's training, if you're not going into those things with the right mindset or the right attitude towards it, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. So you need to fix that or focus on that first. I think that resonates with all the stuff that we just talked about. Pretty much every single question <laughs> I asked you, you were just like, well... You, you have a choice, go to your mindset, you can, you can do it and do hard things. So I think that, that makes sense. One of the things you, you made me do, uh, early on was, was track sleep. Uh, and I remember what I started to see through the data as I was looking at it was when I had a week or let's not even say a week, when I had two or three days even of, of kind of poor sleep, I noticed like I was walking less. I noticed I was probably eating higher calories. Uh, I wasn't going to the gym as much. Um, so. What's your starter pack, like non-negotiables for sleep to get people on the right track? The biggest thing is, is how you sort of set yourself up for sleep. Because again, knowing the people that I work with, people in tech, people who work computers, like, and myself included, I can sit here until 11 o'clock or later on my computer and then just try and go to bed. Not necessarily an ideal way to set yourself up for sleep. So the biggest thing I talk about whenever it comes to sleep is setting yourself boundaries. So number one, what time do I want to wake up at? 
and keep that as consistent as possible because that will impact everything else that happens throughout the day. So your natural sort of security and rhythm will dictate when you feel good, when you don't feel good, when you have energy, when you don't have energy. Keep that as consistent as possible. Weekday, weekend, I always try and keep it the same. And then basically work backwards from that. So if I want to get up at 5 a.m. every day and I want to have seven hours sleep, what time do I need to go to bed at? And then from that, okay, if I want to go to bed at, say, for example, 10 o'clock, from 10 o'clock, at least an hour before that, no screens. So computer goes off, lights go off, lights dim in the house. Before that, what time do I need to have my last meal? Before that, is there anything specifically that I need to do in terms of like get myself to a state of sleep? So if you think about like your central nervous system, if you think about the sort of fight or flight state, like if you're getting chased by a bear, you're not really going to go, I'm just going to have a nap here. Whereas if you think about the other side of that, like rest and digest, like you want to be chill and sort of set the scene for that. So dim lights, dark room, quiet room, uh, cold room, if possible. Um, the other one is is obviously caffeine. Uh, I think we can all agree that we're probably quite heavily reliant on caffeine. And I know people will be like, yeah, I can have an espresso with dinner and then go to sleep. I'm like, yes, you could probably go to sleep, but the quality of your sleep is not going to be good. So for me, I always have a cutoff point of like 2 p.m. absolute latest for caffeine. So it's like not just thinking about I want to go to sleep at this time. It's like what has to happen throughout the day before that for me to go to sleep at that time so I can get up at this time and then sort of my days running those in those same cycles. When your daughter wakes you up at 2 a.m., though, you still wake up at, at 6 a.m. like no matter what? Yes, yes, because... Because I know the benefits of keeping that consistent. And the best way that I can describe it is, and, and we'll talk weekday versus weekend, for example, because I know that, you know, people are happy to get up at 5 a.m. on day to Friday and then they'll get up at like, you know, 10 a.m. on a Saturday because they're, you know, having a lie in. I'm like, sleep in. Yeah. That's like me waking up in Ireland Monday to Friday and then waking up in New York Saturday and Sunday and then waking up in Ireland. I guess that's true. Again, on Monday to Friday, like I literally am giving myself jet lag every single weekend just by waking up at a slightly different time. Like when you think about it like that, that's, ex that's exactly what it is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but that makes sense. Um, yeah. You, uh, you said that, you know, you could, you could stay up till late at night working on, on the computer and, and doing all that. Um, some people truly are just like, Hey, that's when we get the you know, kids are asleep. That's our, you know, that's, that's how our mind works. We're able to crack out work, like stuff like that. Um, I mean, what do you say to those people? Sh should they be staying up late? Can they shift their cycle so that like, maybe it's like they, they do stay up late and then they, they wake up later. Like, I mean, how, how, what, sh what, what do you kind of advise people? It's, it's recognizing when you work the best and when works for you again, like it's, again, it's so person dependent. I know I, I work the best in the morning. Like I know that I get the most work done for that, that block of time between like 4.30 a.m. and 8 a.m., I get the most work done. Like I could get all of my work done in that time and have the rest of the day free. Everything's a bonus after that. But it's taken me a while to recognize that. Um, some people like working leading. That's absolutely fine. Like I'm not saying everybody needs to get up at 4 a.m. Like I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. Find out what works for you. Do you know what I mean? If you like getting up at 9 a.m. and being a little bit more chill, the, the guy actually... Uh, Kieran, I was on his podcast last week in Total Mental Performance. He said he's the opposite. Like he likes getting up at like nine o'clock and like, you know, taking his time, having a nice breakfast, going to the gym and then like starting his day slightly later. And then he'll work. He finds this sort of like zone of genius that, that, that he phrased it as was like between sort of like 10, 30 and like half past midnight. And he's okay with that. He maybe go to bed at 1, 1 a.m. But he's, if he's getting up at nine, he's still getting made our sleep. So it doesn't really matter when it is. 
as long as you keep it consistent and it's what works for you. Okay. Makes sense. Um, you know, every single podcast we listen to, there's, uh, there's a new sleep stack that comes out. There's a new, uh, you know, you're supposed to do, uh, magnesium, but only a certain type of magnesium. And then you're supposed to take something else and, and, and sort of stuff like that. Like, um, and, and, and I think supplements are, are very useful and, and, and we may have some news, uh, to share on that. But, uh, but it, you know, kind of, for for someone that's listening to this though it can feel overwhelming uh that like am i supposed to be popping pills all day long because i need to, my fatty you know omega-3 fatty acid and i need to sleep all night and i need you know an energy booster and i need immune compromising whatever you know like what are we supposed to do with all this i would say there are very few baseline supplements that i would recommend everybody to um i just think that the majority of people are deficient in the second part of that is if you don't know whether you're deficient in it or not, then get blood work done and then you can work the rest out from that. In terms of like the buzzwords around, you know, sleep supplements, and whatever else, if you're not nailing the basics in terms of everything that I just mentioned about setting yourself up for sleep, managing your hydration, managing your recovery, managing your energy levels through the day, managing your foods, whatever it is, if you're not doing those fundamental things, the supplements aren't going to work. You need to do, you know, if you think about it as a pyramid, the supplements are like the top 1%. So you do those last. It's like, and I get it because people, whenever I'm on that first call with them, I'm like, right, okay, sign up, good to go. What supplements? Yeah. yeah. What what supplements do I need? I'm like, <laughs> the supplements that you need are four liters of water per day, eight hours of sleep per night. And they're like looking at me like I'm a crazy person. I'm like, I don't know any of this information without us actually nailing the basics first. So like, it's literally in the name, nail the basics first and then supplement with the rest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think uh, we're looking for the easy way out, basically. Yeah. And back back to what I said, there isn't one in this situation. And that's what you need to, re to recognize. And I think that it's tough for people to get their heads around. And there are, you know, I, I don't want to say I use a lot of supplements. I've obviously, I've went through different phases of using... And I'll blame Dave for this highly because he's like, oh, I'm using this. I'm like, well, if you're using it, I'm using it. And then we go through. I mean, he does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, <laughs> the, the reason that we do it is it's more for an optimization. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll trial it out because it's something that I'm interested in. And I know I've nailed everything else. So I'll see the direct impact of adding something or taking it out because I have the data. I've done this for 10 years, so I get it. Versus someone that's like, okay, right, first day in the gym. And they're like, you know, I, I specifically remember myself. Well, before I actually started training properly, I remember going to the biggest guy that I could find. I was, the guy was enormous. Like he was an IFPB pro, like bodybuilder. And I was like, can you write me a diet plan? Cause that's what I thought I needed. Right. Definitely did not. He wrote me one anyway. I remember like it was, it was, he sent me in the post. So it was like printed. It was sent in an envelope. This is how long ago it was. And, uh, so got that. That was fine. I remember going through the shop and got the, all the meat plan stuff. It was the worst. Like I cannot. It described how bad the food listed on it was and it was so different every single day but then there was this list of supplements on the second page and it was like so i was like okay well i must need to get all these and i remember spending like probably the equivalent of like 500 dollars in these supplements i'd never set foot in the gym i just bought all this food and then i'm looking at all these supplements being like what am i doing so it's like these are the things that you think you need but it's like nail the basics first and then start to introduce those down the line so for me i would rather nail the basics first i don't want someone yeah. to come on board with me and then we go okay right these are, you know, here's another $500 you're going to need to spend on stuff that we don't actually know if it's going right. to work. So nail the basics first, find out what you're deficient in, find out what you're lacking. If you have a problem with sleep after nail the basics, then we can look at magnesium. If you have a problem with energy levels during the day, then we can start looking at some, something to sort of handle that. If you have an immune problem, then we can start looking at it. Like there's, there's so many things that we can do, um, but definitely supplements is the last, last protocol. Makes sense. Uh, let's move into exercise 101. So I want to start off with 
the basics of exercise. Again, we've all listened to all the podcasts. We've heard all the things. We're supposed to increase our VO2 max while, you know, also increasing our HIIT workouts while also, you know, bodybuilding. And also we're supposed to walk 15 miles a day. Like, you know, what just like, what are we supposed to actually do here? First of all, I would say do the thing that you enjoy. So if it is just walking and you're trying to lose a bit of weight, like there's so many other benefits to walking in terms of just actually being outside for one, having some sort of time in your, in your own head. The second thing that I would say is make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. So obviously there's so many different, different ways to train and things to do. For me, I like weight training. I don't really like cardio very much admittedly like i'm absolutely fine with that um i will do it whenever i feel like i need to because i know the benefits of it but i would rather do more in terms of the gym than focus a lot on on cardio um i think the biggest thing that i can say whenever it comes to training and this is probably a, a recent realization for me is do what's practical versus worrying about what's optimal so you know I have probably programmed this for you in terms of like cable lateral raises and like bringing the bench over and having the cuffs and i'm like well that's cool it's not exactly ideal all the time because you're like pissing people off as you're wheeling the bench through the gym. And it's yep. like some, you just lift the dumbbells and do it with dumbbells. So nail the basics again is probably the best way to put it. You know, the reason that, you know, squats are good. The reason that, you know, bench press, like dumbbell bench press, or the reason that all these things are good is is because they've been around for so long. Yes, there are sort of advancements in that. But like while it's cool to be optimal, sometimes it's better to just to just be practical. Um, if you're looking at setting together a, a training plan, the things that I would look at are some sort of push exercise, some sort of pull exercise, some sort of squat movement, some sort of hip hinge, and then some sort of like weird carry. And if you do that three times a week, you're you've absolutely you're absolutely golden. One thing that I will say on just you mentioned hit is it's generally the first thing that I take out because it's such a high stress on your body. And again, back to the stress conversation, you're stressed because of family life, you're stressed because of work, you're stressed because of financial study and whatever the thing is. The last thing you want to do is go to the gym and be even more stressed. Mm-hmm. So I take that out try and manage stress a little bit, focus on weight resistance training, a little bit of cardio, a little bit of steps, and then basically we go from there. Makes sense. Uh, one one kind of myth or, or maybe it's not a myth, but it's something I want to tackle is, you know, strength training versus cardio for for fat loss versus weight loss. And maybe maybe first, actually, the first question is, what does fat loss mean versus weight loss? Fat loss specifically is changing your your body composition in terms of like getting rid of the fat. So if we think about body recomposition, there's three ways to look at it. Number one, the holy grail, you will build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. Take that all day long if you can get it. The second one is your muscle mass will stay the same, but your body fat will reduce. Or the third one is your body fat will stay the same and your muscle mass will reduce. Overall, your body fat percentage is going to be different in some way, shape or form within that. Weight loss is if I cut your arm off, you're going to be lighter. <laughs> like that, that is what it comes down to. Yeah, people are still focused on, on what the weight is. And you'll know this yourself. Like we look at, we look at, more than just that as a metric so we'll look at photos we'll look at measurements we'll look at what your weight is and sometimes your weight will stay the same but your measurements are coming down your photos are changing then we're golden with that so it's it's understanding that your body will do weird and wonderful things depending on when you're training what you're eating how your body responds to certain things and your weight's not always going to play ball and that's one of the hardest things for clients to get over as well is because they're so attached to what the number on the scale is that they think that that's their only marker of progress whereas if you're looking at measurements or how your clothes fit or your ability to run up the stairs instead of struggling to get up the stairs. Like there's so many other things, things to look at. So for me, the difference is fat loss is about body composition and weight loss is just solely focused on what your relationship is with the scale and gravity essentially. So if we're tackling now, you know, let's say for most founders out there, they want to improve their body comp. Mm-hmm. What should they be focused on strength training or, or cardio? 
Can I? Am I allowed to say both? You're allowed to say both. You're allowed to say, you're allowed to say whatever you want. The, the, best, the best way I can put it, and I have to give credit to one of my former clients, James, he put it to me. He's like, if you think about weight training as building the engine and cardio as burning the fuel and looking at it like that. So if you use weight training to build a better, a better engine that will then allow you to burn the fuel more efficiently, you're going to, quote unquote, get away with being able to eat more calories. So for me, weight training and going to the gym in terms of lifting weights should be about getting stronger and building the engine. Cardio will help you recover. It will burn the fuel and it will be used as a tool to sort of help improve overall cardiovascular health. I've seen it time and time again where people come to me like, you know, I'm I'm doing like five hours cardio a week and I've lost all this weight, but I'm not happy how I look because they haven't spent the time actually building the muscle Mm -hmm. underneath it. So they go from being skinny fat to just being super skinny and they don't like, they don't have that athletic physique. I'm like, well, you've never lifted a weight in your life. Like, why are you going to expect to be, to look a certain way? Um, and I think, you know, if I take it right back to, to cardio, I know if I do 30 minutes on the bike after that, I'm hungry all day long. And you'll see people that be like, well, my Apple watch says I burnt 537 calories. So that means I'm allowed to eat two cupcakes and they have this relationship with like buying back the food because they've been on the bike. Um, so you think about using weight and resistance training as building the engine. And if you think about cardio as burning the fuel is the best way that I can put it. So for the average person, and I, I know this is going to be hard for you to say because you do tailor it a lot to, to everyone individual, but I, I want you to just take that out of your mind. Average person, basic weekly workout regimen. You know, I'm assuming it's, you know, for example, one day push, one day pull, uh, uh, you know, maybe one day cardio rest day and then you know repeat that what would you kind of say i would say a a pretty solid foundation if you can manage it time wise is to get three workouts in in the gym if you're going to do three i would probably recommend doing them full body because it will give you more opportunity to hit the muscle groups across the week i always focus on a number of minutes of cardio across the week so it's not like you know on tuesday you have to do 40 minutes of cardio it's like look do 60 minutes of cardio across the week Get your heart rate to like 130 BPM and you're good. It's not too stressful. You'll get a sweat on. It'll be hard to breathe. You'll be fine. And then obviously steps on top of that. So the best way to do it is three full body sessions, 60 minutes of cardio across the week. It doesn't need to be 10,000 steps. Like if you're doing 2,000 steps a day now, it's going to be pretty difficult to get straight to 10,000. So just next week, try and do three, then try and do four, then try and do five and build it up. The three full body sessions a week is pretty good going. Um, And I'll say this as well. This has changed recently for me this year. I'm doing shorter sessions that are more intense Mm. so for the longest time obviously because i used to work in a gym and i used to have the freedom during the day essentially to train for three hours it was fine now my sessions are like 45 minutes to an hour absolute maximum i'm getting more from them i'm doing them more consistently because i know they're only going to take me 45 minutes to an hour which means i'm actually getting more from actually doing them um and they can be a mix between full body summer full body pull summer full body push but for the average person, whoever it is that the average person is that you're describing, three full body sessions a week, 60 minutes of cardio, and some sort of walking throughout the day or throughout the week. That volume or intensity thing is something I'm curious about. So uh, kind of describe the trade-offs between those. And and should we be doing 10 reps of an exercise or should we be doing six to, you know, to build more muscle? The best way that I can describe that is if you're focused on solely building muscle, you can do anywhere from... 10 reps to 30 reps. Um, that's sort of like the hypertrophy range that you're going to build muscle. If your goal is to get stronger, you need to lift heavier weights. You're not going to do super heavy weights, 30 reps. Right. So you're going to do like anywhere between like, say, two and six, solely focused on strength. 
For me, I want to be bigger and I want to be stronger. So I want to get, I want to be able to do both. I don't want to look strong and not be strong. Um, so I want, I want to make sure that I have a mix of both. So for me, I would vary the rep ranges. Um, I'm a big fan for my own personal training that I'll do, you know, two sort of working sets of like say, between five and 10 reps and I'll do one back off set of like 15 reps or something. So I get a bit of a mix of both. Understand what your goals are, understand what you want from the situation. And um, in terms of the, the intensity volume conversation, I would prioritize intensity over total volume. Um, cause there's no point in doing like looking at your total volume and being like, you know, my heavy app told me I lifted 50,000 pounds today and my leg day. Like, but what intensity did you do that? At? Like focus on actually getting strong in the muscle and not just the movement and actually contracting muscle and feel it. Intensity is probably one of the most difficult things to, to train. And that's why I do as many sort of in-person events as possible, because the thing that I find with people that I train specifically is they train alone, whether that's in the gym by themselves or they have home gyms or whatever. So they don't really have any like gauge as to what it should actually look like. They're just going by how they feel. And then when they see somebody train with intensity, like, oh shit, okay, I better wrap this up. Um, so for me, intensity over volume all day long. So I want to move into my hardest topic, which is nutrition. Uh, and oh man, I, this one is what I still struggle with every day. Uh, and it's, it's just, I can lock in my sleep. I can lock in my exercise. I can, you know, I, I, I will say I'm, I'm getting better about, about the uh, self-talk stuff and things like that. Um, but, uh, but nutrition for me is like my biggest weakness. I have zero willpower. If you put a cake in front of me, like I'm demolishing that cake. There's just, like it, it, it's that's the that's my vice. Like it's it's gonna happen. Like it just is. Um, and so let's describe um, some of the tips that you give to people in busy lives with a lot of work in terms of managing their nutrition. Does everyone need to be tracking uh, stuff all the time? Uh, is there is there like shorthand stuff that they can do? Like kind of any any basic tips that you have? First of all, the thing that I would say is keep the kick in. Like make sure that you keep the thing in that you love because I think where people feel or where people struggle with is be, by being super restrictive. So like, you know, it's the first of January, you're like, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be healthy. And you just get rid of all the fun shit in your life. And like, what way is that to live? Like, how is that meant to be like something that's sustainable? Um, in terms of should you be tracking, I think that tracking is a good tool to do to see where you're at with calories. So again, if I think about the person and, you know, say today's your first day. What I would say is that track your food for two weeks and just see how many calories you eat. Because I could calorie calculator and put your details in, it will give me some random number, but it could be thousands of calories off depending on what you, you already eat. Um, so track your food gives you a bit of an idea as to where you're at specifically. And then we just adjust based on that. So if you track your food for two weeks and say, for example, you average 2,500 calories and you're losing weight, cool, we just stick with that. Or if your weight stay the same and the goal is to lose weight, then we'll just drop it down slightly. Or if you've put on weight, then we know that we need to play about with it slightly more. What tracking does is gives people an understanding of how food's made up because people people don't think about, I probably think about food slightly differently. Like I'll look at a plate of food and think, right, okay, protein, fats, and carbs, and like sort of x-ray vision, break it down. But again, <laughs> I've, been do, I've, been doing it for, I've been doing it for 10 years. And I'll say like, I don't track my food all the time. Sometimes I'll sort of remind myself that I need to, to see how far off I am in terms of my guesstimates. But again, back to the conversation is like, I don't want to be weighing everything on the scales in front of Harper all the time. Um, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good tool to do, but I don't think it's a forever thing. Some people will live and die by it and that's absolutely fine if you want to do it, but I think it is definitely a good tool. Um, in terms of like people who are busy, I realize it's a frustration. The thing that I will say is it will literally take you 15 seconds to input the food on my fitness pal. Like the way that I do it is, 
either if I'm cooking it or I'm eating it, I'll input it there and then instead of like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it later. Because there's absolutely no way I'm going to remember later on to actually do it or what I had. So just do it there and then. Like if we think about, again, atomic habits and we think about habit stacking, my habit stacking of tracking food is eating food. Eat food, track it. Like that's the habit. You mean you're going to eat the food, so just track that as the habit. In terms of do you need to do it all the time, the best tip that I can do this, and this is maybe a little bit controversial, but I think it's something that needs addressed. I think that the fitness industry has shifted so far into flexible diet. And then if it, if it fits your macros and you can eat whatever you want, that it's gone too far. And like people are in the position that it is because they have had that freedom. You need to almost like rein it back a little bit. And I'm not saying don't eat the cake as we know, but it's about having a little bit more structure and a little bit of a plan. Um, the best thing that I can say to do is build out your days around a rotation of meals. So have three options for breakfast, three options for lunch, three options for dinner, and three options for a snack. And you know that every breakfast that you have is going to be 400 calories and there's going to be 40 grams of protein. Same for lunch, same for dinner, and just rotate through them. I know some people like myself, I could eat the same food every single day and not wouldn't phase me whatsoever. And the one thing I actually like about it is I, I can predict how I'm going to feel. So I know whenever I have my eggs in the morning, how I feel after that. Whereas if I end up and I go out for like a breakfast burrito or something, I'm going to need a nap straight away. Right. <laughs> so it's like having an understand about how, how food makes you feel um, and just rotating through those. And it doesn't mean that you need to track because you know each of those meals is going to be around about 400 calories and around about 40 grams of protein. And if you just have different ones that you can pick and choose from, it means that it's not quote unquote boring and you can just sort of cycle through them and you don't have that sort of like in all attachment to the numbers of actually tracking the food as you go. Let's address this though for some people who are like, okay, you know, let's just say 3000 calories uh, is a number that most people gain weight at. Um, if they eat 3000 calories of, of, you know, of donuts, do they gain the same amount of fat as if they ate 3000 calories of pure protein and fiber? Um, no, you're, body composition will be different. So this comes back to the conversation of a calorie is not a calorie, which is a whole infinite rabbit hole that we can go down. But if you think about how your body processes and handles foods, number one, whenever it comes to protein, your body will utilize up to anywhere between 25 and 30% of the calories that you consume actually just digesting it. So if you, even if we take 3,000 calories of protein solely and 3,000 calories of donuts, you're not actually getting 3,000 calories worth of protein because of how your body processes and digests it, it's going to be about 25% less, whereas you sure shit are getting 3,000 calories worth of donuts on the other side of it. So it's understanding how your body processes and digests certain foods. That's why I put such a high uh, emphasis on protein as we go through it. The other thing is like the society level of that on the other side of it, like 3,000 calories of donuts is probably not a lot. And you, you could probably do that in four or five donuts and still be hungry <laughs> throughout the rest of the day. So it's like, what's actually going to keep you full throughout the day? And probably more importantly is like, how do you feel? Like, and this is where the sort of, if it fits your macros, like I'm calling bullshit on it. It's like, and I remember whenever I first started, like people are like eating Skittles and Pop-Tarts and they're posting on Instagram. I'm like, that's cool and all, but you're sending the wrong message because it's like, yeah, yeah, just swap this chicken breast for a Pop-Tart and <laughs> a Greek. I'm like, no, like that's not real food. Um, so for me, in terms of the basics, whenever it comes to food, like 80% whole foods, like something that has either been alive or grown on the ground that is nutrient dense, that is like the food is the ingredient. And we actually did a bit of an experiment on this um, through January. I tried to eat solely whole foods. Now, there's a bit of a gray area between whole foods and processed versus ultra processed. Yeah. The way that I would describe it is, if you can make it in your kitchen or if it was a food that was 
available 150 years ago. Like butter obviously has to go through a process, but I could probably, yeah, I'll probably have to YouTube it, but I could definitely make it nice in some way, shape or form um, versus ultra processed. Um, and I find like, I felt incredible by just sort of like reining it back from the, the sort of like getting rid of protein bars or getting rid of even protein shakes. Um, I felt much better in terms of like how I felt the fullness, how I felt in terms of energy throughout the day. So have an understanding of, of how food makes you feel. So 80% whole foods, 20% party time, eat cake once a week if you want. Do you know what I mean? If you're talking about 3000 calories a day across the week, you could fit a cake, a whole cake into that and be absolutely fine. Um, but that's, that's the way that I would do it because the 20% sort of is, is having a pizza at the weekend or, you know, if it's having a margarita or, you know, whatever, the, whatever the thing is, that's the sort of like life part of it and making sure you keep that in and you can still make progress by doing it that way. I think everyone's heard why protein is important. And, and I think it's, it's great that that's coming out more and more often in terms of uh, all the podcasts and, and nutrition advice out there. My question for you though, is uh, one, you know, most of the time the if you're especially if you're consuming animal sources it's probably higher in saturated fat that that you're that you're getting so cholesterol wise and stuff and then and then two like you know there's i i don't actually know the data but like some people say hey it can affect your 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 kidney or or, or stuff like that and so i guess like if you for someone who's saying okay i am going to commit to eating a higher protein diet are you then telling them hey you got to kick that fiber up then like a shitload to to balance that out or, or how should we be thinking about that it comes down to your tolerance for it and i'll i'll give you my real world example of this like one of my favorite coaches that i ever had um callum we went from i used to have six meals a day that was 40 grams of protein and we were trying to increase calories and I, i'm not recommending eating like this but i'm telling you my experience and he was like well, i want to kick it up to 50 grams of protein per meal so that took me up to 300 grams of protein my body did not like eating 300 grams of protein a day like it just I want to say it was a shit show, but I've there's definitely better, better phrasing that could come into that situation. So I understand my tolerance for protein is probably about 220 to 240 grams of protein per day. Again, I've been doing this for so long, like I could eat that without even really thinking about it. Um, so understand how your body digests food, understand where your limit is within that, understand to do that gradually because I, you know, I don't want you to go from eating 50 grams of protein to eating 200 because your body will be like, what the again like if you think again back to how it digests it um the best way i can describe it is if you ever go to like an all you can eat barbecue place like a brazilian barbecue place where they bring you have the thing and they bring it out and they cook oh so good it's the best yeah, so yeah. good but you like you are not in a good state after it because you've just eaten so much yeah you get the meat sweats <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but the meat sweats is your body trying to actually digest that protein so it's going to take longer it's going to be harder for your body to digest you know there's so many digestive issues come with that so Find out sort of what your tolerance is in terms of that per meal. And if you do need to up fiber to make sure your digestion's functioning properly, then yes, definitely do. Because again, with digestion, if your digestion's not functioning, it doesn't matter how many steps you do or how far you run or how much food you're eating, you may as well bang your head against that wall and hope that you're going to make progress of that. So yeah, in terms of what you're saying is yes, increase fiber to make sure that your body's able to digest the protein and the food that you're consuming. So I think uh, that was a, a tour de force in all things <laughs> around uh, around being healthy and, and, and living a healthy lifestyle. Uh, I guess, you know, last question I have for you before we wrap things up is take all the clients and, and everybody you've ever talked to. What is the core piece of advice you're giving again and again and again to everybody to help them on this journey of leading a more healthy lifestyle? I think... Where I see people see the most success 
is by going all in on it, not half-assing the situation, like go all in, like commit to doing the thing. I think where people struggle with is they do it for a short amount of time, they half-ass it and they don't get the results. So then they sack it off. And then in six months, they go through that same sort of cycle. I think that the biggest thing is people just don't actually spend the amount of time that they need to, to actually see the progress on the other side of it. Um, it's difficult. And the reason that whenever you come on board with me, it's a year commitment is because I feel like it takes a year to really, number one, see a huge change. Number two, set yourself up with the habits. You can do this long-term plus the education. So you don't need me forever. And I think committing to it for that long period of time is something that people aren't willing to do and i think that that's where they struggle and um, going all in on it is like I, there's a number of clients that come to my head straight away and that i just think that it's incredible that the progress that they've made and the reason that they have made the progress that they did is because they went all in like they fully fully committed to it um, and i think for me that's something that's transferable into every aspect of life you know if you're talking about finders like you're going to go all in on whatever the business is so why would you not go all in on your sort of physical and mental health and like that yeah I, I think that uh that makes a ton of sense to wrap it with up so ben like thanks so much for the time uh you know i i, I think i usually ask is there anything you'd like to highlight i know you have some things that you'd <laughs> like to highlight for the audience so why don't you uh why don't you dive into those uh, i guess the one thing that i, I want to sort of reiterate as, as to what I'm trying to achieve here is I, I sort of recognize the market that is a naturally unhealthy market. They don't really have control over their health. Um, and with Dave's sort of influence in the, in the cybersecurity space and what we're trying to do with WeHack Health as a whole is I feel like I'm on a, on a greater mission to change the narrative of that. So with WeHack Health, like that will continue. Um, there's plenty of like new opportunities for collaborative coaching and, and other programs coming down the line. Um, one thing that we are doing that has been super under wraps and I have found it so difficult to keep it a secret. I'm glad that we we're able to talk about it today. Uh, Dave and I are, are starting a supplements company. Um, it, it sort of came again, started as a bit of a joke and a bit of a passion project, but because we have sort of went through this, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of how we can create supplements that will help us perform better. Um, mainly for me, truthfully, in terms of like how I can focus better at work. Um, so Nootropics is going to be heavy focus for me. Dave is obsessed with pre-workout, so we have all yeah. that sort of covered. Um, so within the, the next couple of months, we're going to launch it actually in the next couple of weeks here at my next client event. Um, so the supplements company will be coming. The company name will be Zero Day. Um, so we're looking forward cool. to to getting that launched. Um, but yeah, anything we have health, anything Zero Day, give me a shout. Um, we'll be on all social media platforms and we'll be good to go within the next couple of weeks. That's that's so cool. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to using the supplements, frankly, because it will make my life a lot easier. The the tracking and the mindset stuff that you do, uh, frankly, teaches us a lot and gives us a lot of control. Like I was just in India, I ate like shit, I didn't move at all. I and how did you feel? How did you feel? <laughs> I didn't feel that great, you know. <laughs> but but uh, but it was it was still great to spend time with family and do that. And then the funniest thing was normally I would be like, oh man, you know, I got to get back in the gym. And like, I just had a setback and I've gained all this fat and all this sort of stuff. And for me, you know, the mindset and, and all that sort of thing was like, I, I can control this. And I got yeah. back in the gym. I, I, you know, was able to drop like, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the scale, I was able to drop like, you know, call it three and a half pounds, uh, in, in a relatively short time period. And, you know, now I'm back to sort of my normal, normal state. Uh, and I think it's just, it's very cool to have those dials and be able to uh, know that you can control them, which I think you you teach really well uh, versus before when I just like kind of throw up my hands and just be like, this sucks. And I just blew all this training that I did. And what's the world coming to? So I, I think that's amazing that you teach people that. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you, you have that, that mindset, Jeff. And again, thanks for having me on. It's been a long time coming.